welcome to In Bed With The Films We Love, a podcast about the films we love the most and trying to work out why we love them. Uh, I'm Ethan Crane. I'm Talia Ripley. And today we're talking about the 2012 film Francis Ha, directed by Noah Baumbach. Baumbach? Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Something like that, anyway. Mm. And uh, I'm very pleased that you've chosen this as your last, fi- your la- your last film, because... I'd have to say this is one of my favourite films as well. But this is actually your film. So, it is. Yes. It's a good one. It's mine. Don't take it's yours, it yes. Me. But it's one of my favourites too. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a cool cut. Yeah. So um, tell me about your history with this film, your history of mm. watching it. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you know, because we went and watched the film together. Um, I said to say, really, I mean, we saw it, I think, on a camping trip that went a bit wrong in Oxford. Yes, it rained a lot, so we went to cinema all the time. Yeah, Um, which seems to fit well with Frances Ha's kind of... It's the kind of thing she'd do, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And I fell in love with Frances, I think, probably, quite soon. And I've watched it. I mean, I I liked it. I liked it immediately. Every time I've watched it, I've found something else I like about it. I wouldn't say it's ever changed you know, over the course of time, it's just been a consistently likeable film. Well, you say you, you said you fell in love with Francis. Mm. Would you say that's one of the main appeals of this is essentially Francis's character? Is that, yes. is that the main, the yes. main thing about it really? Yeah. 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 If we're getting into meeting Bristol, what I love, I think it is just really loving her as a main character. Um, and I personally, for me, I think sort of, and maybe probably many people feel that, but seeing quite a bit of myself, in her as a character as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a big, a couple of lines that she said that really struck me. Are you talking about yourself now or, or yourself at her age of 27? Continuously myself. Continuously yourself, yeah. okay. Because yeah. a lot of her kind of clumsy, I think her sense, less so now, but certainly her sense of not feeling like a proper grown-up is something probably lots of people feel, I certainly felt. I think that sort of the clumsiness she has, I mean, she's a, she's kind of a, uh, in many ways, quite a graceful person, I guess, as a dancer, but she has, you know, she's no, she has a little bit of a, clumsiness. Yeah. She has a little bit of a clumsiness even as a dancer, doesn't it? Doesn't she, yeah. I think, compared yeah. to the other dancers? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's yeah. sort of played up on purpose to, to yeah. show that she's not, she's not actually, she's never going to be an amazing dancer. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So I do I really personally identify with Frances, but I think anybody would. You don't have to identify with her. I think to sort of kind of fall in love with her. Art, no. I think, and it's. I mean, it's interesting. Maybe meaningful that um, this was. I mean, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. They wrote it together. The screenplay was yeah. written together. They were. Um, they're obviously a couple now, and were at the time. They became well, a couple they? whilst writing it. They weren't ah, a couple when they started writing. No, I, I checked that, that out last night. Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought because she'd been in a previous film was it Greenberg? Greenberg. Yeah. No, um, this is actually an interview with Greta Gerwig. She she was asked that very question. She said, "We weren't a couple when we started writing it. We were by the time we finished it." Mm, yeah. Because it does feel like the you know the film loves Francis. Like it yeah. feels like it's necessary to love her to enjoy the film really do you do you um feel that do you feel that there's much separation between the character of Frances Ha and Greta Gerwig herself because it it seems to me to embody that character the way she does and and particularly as we've seen her in other films as well it feels quite a lot like Greta Gerwig herself don't you think there's a lot of things I mean well I mean her the parents that play it are her parents yeah her real parents she obviously returns uh, to Sacramento, which which is where Greta Gerwig's from. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, you know, you're just you could just say that as using something from your own life and putting that out there. Yeah. Um, but certainly, and also things that we've seen in Ladybird, uh, Ladybird, <laughs> <laughs> Ladybird, Ladybird. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, there's a particular scene, you know, when she goes back to Sacramento. Yeah. So just to say, I'm sure people know, but Ladybird is the Greta Gerwig directed. Mm. film isn't it that's sort of semi-autobiographical yeah uh, yeah yes yeah, yeah. for in, uh, 2019 or yeah 2018 2019 mm. yeah um and but the, i was just thinking about because 
just one scene when she's in the bathroom and then her mum is, I think, asking for her to come out or when yes. you're getting out. And it's kind of because most of it is just her having a, like a very nice time kind of um, quite well to do. Like it's a very, uh, the household there is very middle class. Yeah, it's a jolly Christmas nice, she's having with it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. very jolly Christmas. Yeah. Um, unlike, say, in Lady Bird, also set in Sacramento, but like lower middle class, like a little bit impoverished um, and needing you know needing a bit more more money and anyway there's i'm sure there's big scenes in there when she's trying to get into her mum's sort of complaining about being in the bathroom for a long time right so i felt like it's a sort of because that, that film has to yeah. be in both ladybird and yeah. in there that feels like it's very much something from greta gerwig's life yes being told to get out of the bath <laughs> and really that that scene seemed slightly out of place in this film didn't it being told to get out of the bath yeah, because it, it felt like it was making her seem like a a younger person a and also person. and had no connection to the other scenes really. Also yeah. it looked like a fairly have, her parents seemed well off enough to maybe have two bathrooms. <laughs> oh I don't know about I that. Know. Yeah. But that wasn't unlike in Ladybird where there yeah, yeah. was anyone. Yeah. Um so tell us more about other aspects of this film that sort of really why do you love it so much? So yeah, obviously Francis is the, the core the core character that yeah. you've got to love. But um it's the portrayal of Francis and Sophie's friendship, which is so delightful and is just a really beautiful representation of any friendship. But I suppose, you know, I'm looking at it from my point of view, female friendship, which kind of has a different tone, I think, from male friendships as well. Yes, although I would say not maybe female friendship. I'd say also friendship in your 20s, particularly. Yeah. 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 And friendship with somebody whom well I think her and Sophie went to college together but for me I kind of relate back to old school friendships for people that you're friends with that you can be really quite rude to really quite demanding um and you, you after that you don't ever have those kind of friendships with them um with with any other people that you meet as, as an adult you're always a little bit more reasonable and you're not um well it is like a love affair, isn't it? And I think yeah. it's shown, it's portrayed as a love affair. Yeah. Um, you've got the two of them, like the first few minutes or quite a, a big section at the beginning, which is like a really charming, um, sort of felt like a love story, meet cute. They're yeah. running around in New York doing cute things together. Um, they even talk about, they even tell each other they love each other, don't they, quite a lot and things. Yeah, and yeah at yeah, different points yeah. in it, yeah. I yeah. mean, and that's. I mean, that's not something. Yeah, that's not that unusual for no, female friends, but no, it's not done in a particular way as well. But in, I mean, I, well, I, I have to say, it's not that unusual for, um, not male, not male friends, not two male friends, but certainly I've had those kind of friendships with female friends mm. in my twenties, just because, just because of the intensity of them. If you were going to college with them or something mm. and you've just had really intense experiences together and you're just so want to be with the person all the time that you don't want you're not you're not in a relationship with them but you just want to be with them all the time because mm. you have such fun together kind of thing so and i don't think it's it's solely female female no. relationships yeah but the, yeah. the all the i'm sure it's kind of consciously done that they were putting they're at the heart of the story and that there are, it feels like an element of a love story, a kind of a type of love story. Yeah. In that, I mean, Francis refers to being dumped when yes, um, being dumped Sophie by Sophie leaves yeah. the household. You really feel for Francis because Francis, you know, Francis's actual um, sexual partners, um, like the guy, I can't even think of his name. At the beginning, Dan, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah. Dan, um, who who can only come when she's lying on her front. <laughs> yeah, everything that matters is covered up. Every all the good bits, but and it's um, he's he's so unimportant, isn't he? Yeah. His actual character, he's he's funny, but um, it's, it's, that's particularly portrayed in that scene, isn't it? By the have they're having quite an intense conversation and that uh, you know about possibly breaking up or getting a cat and moving in together, <laughs> and then Sophie rings up, and and Francis answers with that kind of "What's up?" sort What's of thing, up? as though the whole of the stuff going with Dan has been completely irrelevant. Oh, no. Yeah. I love it. I can't come. I think she said, I can't come. Are you drunk? I love you. <laughs> yeah. And then she just returns to try and have some seriousness. The yeah. And it's, yeah, it, it shows, it shows that that demonstrates her priorities yeah. at that time are with her friend, not with, yeah. especially because 
obviously maybe it's just not a particularly good relationship with Dan but um so yeah and it's um there's, yeah there's other bits where you uh well like you say there is some part when she's in Paris and they're kind of making up and Sophie phones her when she's in Paris and she and yeah that is a point where she where she says I love you and it does feel kind of a little bit more than the normal kind of friend thing of yeah. saying, I'm just going to say this and then I'm going to hang up so you don't have to reply. And I love you. And what do you mean more than the normal friend thing? Well, like I would do that. Okay. So in, in the same way that uh, with my brothers, I might say, I love you at the end of a phone call. Yeah. Um, and I'd say that to uh, friends, like good female friends. I'd just yeah. say, oh, I love you. Uh, in a kind of, I'm, like I mean it, but I don't like, don't mean it in the way that I'd also say I love you to other people. What you mean? There's yeah. no sexual element to it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it's kind of a bit of a jovial. I love you. Yeah, I love you. Bye. But but when Francis says it to Sophie, it's mm. really meaningful. There, it is really really yeah. meaningful. So but it's... but with no sexual no, meaning no, no, to no, it at all. No, no, yeah. it's, it's it's a little bit more than just a just a, a throwaway love you yeah as yeah. she says to her when she yeah. first picks up the phone to her yeah. in, in the first scene yeah um and of course there is the other the the little thing that's kind of resolved i mean there is no plot to this film is there there is uh, who cares little, but yeah. <laughs> yeah but there's some point where um and again this is another bit this is the bit that that i really identified when francis is talking she's at that sort of awkward but not completely awful dinner party yes. with Rachel Yeah. Um, when she sort of moved in with Rachel for a bit and these are pretty successful wealthy people that she's hanging out with and she's quite drunk by this point and she starts talking about her idea of a, a perfect a good relationship and, and she says what I really like is the idea that I like you'd be you'd be at a party together both in separate places and then you'd look and you'd catch each other's eye and you'd be, there'd be this world and there'd be this meaning. She called it the you. secret world of friendship, didn't she? Yeah, something yeah. different, not a friendship. No, she was saying of, of, of what she was talking about, a ma you know, relationship yeah. with a man. So she didn't yes. say friendship. No, no, sorry. But she called it a secret world, didn't she? A yeah, dimension. Yeah. 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 yeah, that other people can't see. Like yeah. A, yeah, an invisible dimension. And, um, and I felt incredibly validated by that comment because there was a guy I was going out with and really quite in love with at university uh, who wasn't that into me at all really um, and I said something about that's basically I said almost exactly the same thing to him not talking about him but saying that's what I'm wanting in a partner I, I have this fantasy that I'd be you know we'd be at a party together and we'd be doing that like just exactly that's more or less what I said many years before right and he probably because he was like well I don't want to do that with you <laughs> I mean maybe it would with somebody else well whatever but he's like Ugh. and um uh and I was then embarrassed about saying that so I felt heard and seen when Francis says that I was like yes ha and then like you say it's validated at the end of the film when they're just after Frances' dance performance has been on her and Sophie look across the room at each other, nice which is just a lovely moment in the film, isn't it? It's really nice. She's very yeah. sweet. And yeah. again, it's it's turning Frances's friendship into, yeah. you know, a sort of, it's turning it into that love story of the film. Yeah. Um, Do you think, I can't, I wasn't the thinking, I can't think of, off the top of my head, that many films as poignant about friendship as this, I don't think. Most film, I mean, most films, when you think of them, like Hollywood does a lot of films about, obviously, about romantic relationships, but not so many about friendships. And I found this really refreshing to yeah. this is about friendships. I've really liked it. I've never seen that film where they sing The wing, Wind Beneath My Wings. Which film's that? I don't know, but it's definitely about friendship. I mean, oh, okay. There's, there's... Sounds like a Bette Midler film. Yes, it is. <laughs> and there's... Um, Oh, I think that's Steel Magnolias, that Steel, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a line of female films about... Yeah. There's... It's often quite sentimental. Maybe I'm thinking about 20-something friendships. I mean, there were, but there well, melodramatic yeah. kind of people, two women in difficult circumstances, or... I suppose that's like friendships where you can rely on me type friendships, but it's not... That's not the same as Sophie and, Sophie and Francis, I don't think. That, this is like a... Jovial. An intent, intense, like platonic mm. 
love affair in some ways, isn't and it? it? Is, yeah. like you said, and it is something that's set in a certain time of your life, a time before you settled. Because once, obviously, yeah. Sophie has Patch, then she can't really. Although yes. the other scene, that I suppose, is, is very love story, is the scene where Francis goes to the toilet with, with Sophie. In the, in the bar, bar. yeah, and so when she's, she's really drunk and just on the vodka. Yeah. So yeah. she's had a kind of bad show and she hopes that Sophie's going to be there and they can just go out for a drink and have a good time afterwards. But, oh, no, Patch has turned up as well. So she drags into and, really got, and they said they're going to leave early, don't they? And, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, you're taking away all my fun. And, and she's and Patch and Sophie are obviously very unhappy with what's going on. And she said, Sophie, come on. And it's, you know, it's the sort of female ritual going to the toilets together. Yeah. Because, I, mean, I don't know, do people even do that anymore? I, I guess. I guess so. I yeah. did. And yeah. don't anymore because... You know, Sophie's did. even Sophie doesn't. She say, are we still doing this? Are we still doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a certain point in youth or, or, yeah. or like particular nights out. But they have really a kind of a, a proper breakup scene, don't yeah. they, in, in the toilets. It's oh, I mean, Francis sad. punches the wall next to her head, doesn't she? Yeah. 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 Don't treat me like a three-hour brunch friend. Three-hour brunch friend, yeah. Um, yeah, and so it, it is fascinating that, that, and it's wonderful to have, yeah, you know, friendship being put so importantly in the film and, yeah. and everything else falling into place. Did you uh, so just just while you're on that that particular scene in the in the toilets there? Did you um, uh, hear about how? that scene became particularly well known because it was took 42 takes to do oh, it. I have read something about yeah. that, yes. And um, um, Greta Gerber just could not get it right. <laughs> yeah. And she saw, and I think she wrote an article in somewhere that basically she went, looked at all the continuity notes and actually went through her thought process of what was going on through the whole thing oh. and how it just made you think, oh my God, acting just awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting to read, isn't it? Yeah. Because it certainly doesn't seem like a... A mannered or a difficult. No, it looked quite a like good, that. quite a good scene. Yeah, really, not, yeah. not hard. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was interesting. Um, Why else? I mean, I think the humour is just fantastic. The humour and the it's a particular way of writing the dialogue as yeah. well. So you have that. Um, I just in mean, that beautiful weird scene where she bumps into Benji. A little later on the on, street, on the street, yes. he's got a girlfriend, yeah, a, a female person with him, and there's just that sometimes that conversation which is had at like different levels. Like she's, she, you know, she says something, some, she starts talking, implying some kind of intimacy, and then the girl says, "I don't know you." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, and and even that, uh, you know, Francis' response to that is, "Oh, oh okay then," kind of thing, and it's yeah, so it's sort of like a. It's a, I think it's a particular 20-something anxiety, but coupled with a certain confidence as well. So it allows you to stay part of a conversation and keep the conversation rolling, but you're still not quite in control of it either. You're still just saying things and they're not quite the right thing somehow, but it all sort of works out. But mm -hmm. just to a third party listening to it, it can sound quite weird, I think, can't it? It's awesome, yeah. one in the... Talking about the dinner party, I did love the dinner party yes. with, with Rachel. So the two things that I love about that, apart from her talking about her her um, ultimate fantasy with the, the, the getting a, a boyfriend's eyes across the room, but also the, the great line she has when somebody's talking about their baby, you know, you know, this is the grown-up world that she's not really quite part of. Yeah. And she makes the incredibly acute but utterly inappropriate remark about how people talk about Oh, I've got now. I've got a baby. It used to be all about me. Now it's all about the baby. And she says it's as if they don't realise it's still all about them because the baby's them, which is so true. <laughs> yes. And I'm embarrassed to think that I've probably been that person. As well. Yeah. Well, I've never said that. No, I've never been quite a dick about being. Mom. Yeah. But um, that's fantastic. But the other bit is when she starts droning on about a story about her friend the friend that's in paris and how she was part of the top five and then she kind of drifted out and then and it's she's sort of telling this story and it's not going anywhere and everybody's <laughs> looking at her and it's falls so flat she doesn't yeah. really even realize but it's sort of does but not quite yeah i i think that's interesting in that um and this was sort of leading to another question i was going to ask really but that that's 
Francis, in certain environments, like, say, with Sophie or even with um, Benji and Lev as well, when she's living with them, um, she fits in. She works well. She works well mm. in those environments. But take her out and put her in another environment, like dinner party, and she just doesn't work. Like, people find her odd. They probably find her quite annoying. Mm. And... And even in some, like, you know, she doesn't really work in the dance school that well either because she's a little bit gawky and, you know, so it's just, she's so lovable, so lovable, but only to certain people, I think. Mm. Because I can, do you, do you imagine that there would be some people who would watch this film who would absolutely hate it and they would be fine that Francis is really annoying and would just be really turned off the whole thing? Yeah, I, I, there's yeah. definitely people that don't like this film. Yeah. Um, because I think, I mean, it is obviously about uh, a pretty privileged group of people. Although Francis isn't as privileged as all the people, as many of the people around her, no, which like, is where yeah. a lot of the issues come from. Yeah, when Benji says to her, um, uh, you're not poor, you shouldn't say you're poor, it's offensive to poor people. And this is Benji and Lev, these two like yeah. privileged boys, aren't they? <laughs> And she's she yeah. is slightly apologetic. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess. But she is really broke. <laughs> yeah. She is really yeah, at yeah. that point, you know, she's not gonna starve. She her parents, yeah. you know, she can always go back to Sacramento. Yeah. Um it's yeah, it's it's a it's it's a fairly mild but I could see why people think, well, it's really not a big struggle for her. I'm not gonna feel that sorry for her. Yeah. Um Benji and Lev are great characters as well. Yeah, particularly Adam Driver as, as Lev, I think. He's, he's, just, he's, he's bringing home of girlfriends back to the flat or whatever. Mm. And, yeah. I think what was the effect when Sophie comes over and uh, it's not meeting Lev, but seeing Lev again, and she says something about house, house sculpture. It's, as he said, it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't, how he delivers Amazing. That yeah. It's just so full of pompous um confidence of that youthful um yeah yeah is, and that sort of represents that i guess millennial era as well and that kind of but it also i mean people have always you, you know he's putting on this confident show and it probably doesn't you know his character is probably not so confident all the way through no. that's what makes it so tough when you're in your twenties, like like Francis is, and it just feels like everybody else has got their shit together and yeah. doing incredible things, um, and she's not. I mean, that's. I think that's another big theme of the film, apart from the friendship thing, is the other theme of not having your shit together at the age mm. of twenty-seven. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of, and that that's the bit that speaks to me as much as the friendship in in mm. some ways. I mean, the the friendship, I think, is the main part of it, and I love I love that part of the film, but. I just the the fragility of their lives in some ways and how some of the things they do turn on such small instances like like that one bit where um right towards the beginning I think just when just after Frances has split up with Dan and her and Sophie are at their flat and Sophie's talking about Patch and Frances is taking the piss out of him and even Sophie's saying oh you know he's all right for now kind of thing mm. And then by the end of the film, she's married him. She's marrying mm. him kind of thing. And you think lots of things could have happened. Like she wants to leave him when they're in Japan. And you mm. think and all these different like potential timelines for their mm. lives. Are built, but but they're all pivoting around, I think, this age of 27 in some mm. ways. I think I think the fact I think I've found it quite significant. They set um, Francis's age at 27 in some ways. And that somehow it made me think of, um, well, you know, the classic sad 27 club of all those yeah, people that yeah. died at the age of 27. And somehow you feel that that's an age where you're teetering on the edge of either being, becoming sensible, you know, mm. doing something like getting pregnant, getting married, getting a proper job mm. or something, or flailing off into something could, it could be whatever, like Francis has a distinct possibility of doing. Mm. Yeah. And it's much harder... Because you think, you know, looking at, obviously at our much, much greater age, 20 years plus on, on Francis, then you're, you feel it's young, but you forget how it's not. And it, you forget how, um, like when she goes back to college, she goes back to the college to work and she's out of, you know, she's so much older yeah. than the others. And, and 
they're 22 23 and, and that's it makes a huge, huge difference, difference. yeah massive difference yeah. because like you said there's so those years they i mean i think that your 20s if you're lucky to have that kind of world where you don't have to you know you can do that you can play essentially yeah. um they're the most amazing years of your life really yeah what were you doing when you were 27 I was going out with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, apart from that. Fine. Um, so, 27, I was... Uh, I think we'd just come back that? from travelling, hadn't, hadn't yeah. we? Yeah. Came back in 98. So, yeah, that would have been living in London, yes. doing odd jobs, not really sure what sort of not jobs really we were sure doing. doing. Definitely yeah. hadn't found a... No, I definitely wasn't a proper grown up, and yeah. we would, yeah, living in a rented house, and it was squishy. Many rented houses, and, uh, yeah. Going out and doing naughty things, but yeah. um, yeah, it was, yeah, it felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Fortunately, most people didn't seem to know what they were doing. No, so okay. no, but there was a distinct difference between, wasn't there, between the people who had got a kind of proper job by the age of twenty-seven and those who hadn't, like. Mm. I mean, they were really, you really felt they were different kinds of people in some ways by then, weren't you? They were, you know, on different tracks, you know, yeah. they went, didn't know where, where they were. Yeah. I, I really, on relating that, I really like um, Frances's line. She says to when Sophie's drunk and comes back to stay in her room in the dorm when she's working back at the college. And Frances says, uh, I can't believe pregnant is no longer crazy. And that's yeah. such a sort of 27 year old line, isn't it? You know? Yeah, that's, that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's something that happens. And again, it's going to be really different for lots of different people, but I think certainly for our era and generation and people, that was, it felt very, very true and sort of significant to me. Yeah. Oh, what else? So, what are there any other parts that really speak to you or really why this is your favourite film? You think? There's a really funny part where she's working in the, the college and when she sees bumps into Sophie and, and Patch again. But just the, the beautiful comedy of her following around the sort of slightly older woman yes. who is chatting up young men. And then and the lovely part of that when, when her and Sophie are having quite a heart to heart and yet in the background, the woman's just started snogging the boy at the table. Yeah. And, and Francis still goes and fills a glass up with wine. <laughs> I'm sure I, I might not have even noticed that the first time I watched it because it's yeah. quite in the back. Where you you don't yeah you have to watch it to see when it really starts. I mean, There's it's... lots of physical comedy in that in that scene because um, just before that, Francis has been sort of stalking um, Patch and Sophie around around the room when they don't even know that Francis is there, yes, and yeah. she's crouching down trying to hide to watch them, and the woman holds her glass out and she still fills it up she, in a crouching down manner. She fills yes. the glass up. And it's, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of physical comedy in the film altogether because, yeah. you know, there's Greta Gerwig is doing some massive pratfalls at times as well. Yes, and, you know, there's some sort of set pieces, isn't there, like when she um, she goes out on a date with Lev yeah. and says that she wants to pay and then hasn't got any money and then the cash point's not working and then she falls over on the way back, gets back and you see that she's bleeding. Yeah, you've got blood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's all just delightful, the... And already, I suppose, another set piece is a whole trip to Paris, isn't it? Although it's... You know, that is not one of my favourites. I mean, just talking about things. Just, I, I think, I just hate the stupidity of it. As soon as she goes, I, I guess I should be more open to it. It does, it, it seems to help her slightly in some weird way. Yeah. She seems a bit more cheered, but it seems so stupid. I don't, me. I really like that sequence because I think it, it's sort of, I, I, it is incredibly stupid what she does and her reasons for doing it are really stupid, but it just goes to show you what, like, um, you know, how holidays can be awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, but also, but also the going back to what we were saying before about the, your life at 27, just teetering on this, it could go this way, it could go that way. When she gets the phone call from Abby in the taxi yes. on the way back from the airport, when she's mm. back in the US, and it sounds like there could have been an amazing time to be had, couldn't there? Yeah. There's like, Abby says, oh, it's so good to hear from you. You should come over for dinner. Timing. There's this guy here who's yeah. nearly single. And... So, so that guy, who could, who knows? She and might have, yeah. It's true. There is, yeah, the, 
astonishing opportunities and options yeah. and choices and paths. Frances could, could have take. stayed in Paris for as long as she wanted. She had nothing to come back to and she had that free flat to stay in. And she had a silly interview that wasn't... Yeah, she, she could have like... Um, I did love it when she said, I almost slapped. cancelled myself. I put a little tickle in my nose. <laughs> She's like crossed continents to make <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that is quite a set piece. I yeah. don't know what else do I, uh, the, I. The final piece, the find, the lovely final last scene when you realise why the film's called Francis Ha. I think, yeah, I think possibly one of my favourite endings to a film ever. It just seems perfect. So appropriate. Yeah. That. And I so. Again, again, I identify that because if I've gone to the bother of writing a piece of paper out. <laughs> Yeah. And it doesn't fit. I, the fact that everybody will just know me as, you know, yeah. Francis and not the whole name forever. <laughs> it's fine because I can't be bothered doing another thing. And this, this solution will be fine. Yeah. And that's something I can identify with a lot. And to be able to end with the final shot of that, which sort of sums up the entire film and tells you the title of the film and you have no idea why the title of the film was that before, Somehow seems to me just the perfect way to end the film, really. I don't think it can... Yeah. I can't think of a, any many better endings than that, really. No. Beautiful yeah. shot. Yeah. I have a think. But yeah. Yeah. So, no, I yeah. think that covers a lot of what I love about yeah. it. So, when we, we normally ask about these films, uh, the films that we love, if you were in a new relationship mm. and you were to go and see this film with a potential new partner and they didn't like it hmm. so the girlfriend boyfriend test I think more, what would you what would you think about the more potential of the relationship than any any other film on my list at all or ever in history I think this has to be a real boyfriend test because I think if you don't like because you basically if you don't like this film it's because you probably don't like Francis Ha and if you don't like her, you're not going to like me. Because <laughs> it's just sort of similar, but more clumsy, not as attractive or dancing, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's got to be, yeah. I was also going to say that I I don't think I would, I don't think it would be exactly a test for me, but I'd also be disappointed because I'd feel that a potential partner didn't have an appreciation for friendship that I think is very important I think to actually appreciate Sophie and Francis friendship is a really big deal as well and to not find that important I would find a bit off in someone I think That's a, That's although I can see how you might not get to that if you were just put off Francis's character I suppose mm. but yeah I, I mean I kind of agree I don't think I'd, I'd really like anyone who didn't like Francis in this yeah. film yeah. I, mean, I, do, I think people our son made some because he's watched it and enjoyed it. I think he found Frances Ha slightly irritating, but then he said that she reminded him of her one of his good friends. <laughs> so he can't really dislike her. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is just, but yeah, no, this has got to be peak. You got to like this film. I think that this would be this film would be my go-to test of right. all the other films they would be I could live without it but yeah that you you, you just definitely have to like this so this would be a, a useful one okay. and I wonder what that other boyfriend is thinking when he saw that part of me thinks ah oh, yes Talia of course what well, the one right. the now boyfriend at college you were talking about yes yeah. <laughs> probably didn't <laughs> probably not probably hated it <laughs> anyway it doesn't matter I'm over that <laughs> So, uh, so another question we normally ask about these films is, um, is there anything about it you would change in the mm. even better if section? I don't know. Um, I, I, the one thing I, I noticed uh, just last time I watched it, which I think, you know, probably says more about our current times and the changing, but the, um, uh, Benji's calling uh, Lev's girlfriend sluts. Yeah, I oh. noticed that. Ah, and what is more interesting is that I didn't notice it before because yeah. I think that says something about me. But the, yes, slut shaming. I've always, I've never been up for that. But somehow that line, it was funny or something. It just seems, you know, obviously, obviously we realise that Benji doesn't really feel that sort of sleeping with some, you know, it's blah blah blah. But 
yeah, I, I just thought that yeah. was a bit unnecessary. It, it was. I had to say, I think in this watching, I watched Benji's character more than I've done in, in other screenings, in other watchings of it. Mm. And you come to see just how sort of like envious Benji is of Lev's easiness with like, you know, has all these girlfriends or whatever. And so I, I, I didn't notice it. I was watching it, but I found it sort of like slightly forgivable in as much as it's just a sort of a fit of anger and jealousy in some ways that he's just sort of lashing out towards, yeah, towards, even though he doesn't say it in a lashing out manner, he's still, um, that's that's yeah. true. Ah, look, the cat. I thought we'd got the cat out, out of the room. <laughs> yes, but the cat's been back. hiding under the, under the yes. cat. So hopefully, sorry about yeah. that noise. Um, yes, I have read something I read in, and I'll try and remember, but a lot of people's referring to Benji's, um, Benji's uh, kind of re relationship with, with, obviously he fancies Francis. Francis yeah. Do um, we feel they get together at the end, after the end? I think there's potential yeah. there, yeah, yeah. If, hey, if Francis realises. Um, I have to say, though, I don't think it would last. I don't think Benji can handle Francis. <laughs> As if, no, know. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe, but I think, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But people have commented that his kind of attempted wooing of her is, is like a classic negging. Which no, what does that mean? Acquainted with negging. No. So negging is when a guy um, tries to. I'm just going to move this cat. Um, uh, a guy puts a a woman down, you know, it can be like a, a kind of seriously a form of a, a abuse if you're saying, you know, really saying you, you know, you're shit, I'm the only one who who will put up with you kind yeah. of thing on, on, on an extreme end of it. Um, at the other end... Are you referring to all his times calling her undateable? Undateable, right, yeah. yeah. Um, but I feel that's more of a kind of splashy, splashy insult person. Yeah. I think. Splashy, splashy bit coming from a Eddie Izzard sketch talking about when you first realise you fancy another, you know, other, like, members of the opposite sex and you start splashing them yeah. in the water. That's why I refer to that. That kind of young adolescent habit of actually winding another person up in order to get their attentions uh, for social, you know. But more recent generations uh, sort of frown on that a little bit and calling it negging, are they, and saying it's not. Yeah, I don't know about splashy, splashy, but actual, like, that kind of dissing yeah. is, uh, uh, yeah, apparently, hey, what do I know? Um, but, yes, anyway, that's... Okay. Uh, also, Adam Driver film, again, is I've heard uh, the relationship, you won't like this, between, uh, now, what are the characters in Star Wars? Ray and Adam Driver's character. Oh, Ben Solo. Well done. Yeah. Uh, he's he's sort of he, his. Uh, they say that's classic negging because it's like you're nothing, only I understand your value, that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Anyhow. I'm not going to bring Star Wars into this. No. <laughs> um. So, what do I think of that? Yeah. Yeah. That's. But that's. Uh, I, not... I don't know if I care. Yeah. By the way about that. Um. No, I think. Yeah, I don't know. There's not much I would change. And what would you... I have only one, one thing that really came to mind, actually, and it's such a small thing, but I kind of wish we hadn't seen Frances' whole surname at the end and we'd only seen oh. the HA. I don't want to know her surname's Halliday. I just want to know it's just... I just want to know her as Frances Ha. I think that would... I think that would just have slightly have improved. The so it's sort of some quicker editing or something and you wouldn't have caught it. Well, you could just have slid it in and her fingers could have been hiding the rest of it. It wouldn't have, doesn't really matter how it's done, but I just don't want to know what the rest of her surname is, I think. I think, I think it... they wanted to definitely make sure that you knew her surname wasn't actually Ha, just in case you got confused. Oh, okay. That's fair. You could have maybe seen that it was too long without seeing yeah, what the rest I, of it was. I think that could have been done. Yeah. Okay, that's... Pretty, anyway, that's... That is a very minor point. That is a very minor point, <laughs> yes. Um... So, our last section, and mm. actually, as this is the last podcast in the series, it's mm. our last chance to talk about what we think art is. Don't worry, we're going to nail it this time. <laughs> yeah, by the end of this podcast, it. it's going to be done. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, first of all, is, is Francis Hart art for you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, and I was thinking about it. I think it's because in that sense of art... One thing that we love, 
feel is art is when something is represented to us, something that's familiar um, and it is a, a, a brilliant representation of something that you know of in real life. That's how, what I think it does okay. in, in spades. So, um, like I said, and, so, and perhaps something that isn't often represented. So, so the, the representation of, of friendship between Francis and and um and sophie and sophie and also and all the other things we fit we're talking about just those things that make you um identify with this person as well that's a fairly short answer but i feel that's that's one of those important one one possible definition of art isn't it is that is that kind of it's a representation of nature even if that might mean a brilliant drawing of an iris or something but um that's that's what yeah. that seems one and i think a fair view of art that i think yes. i think if something manages to capture something and a feeling so that you can watch something and it just reminds you of something or or, or you know or you know so that you could be in that field of daisies or you know you it makes you really have a vivid feeling of being being 27, 27 yeah which this definitely did for me yes now in our in lots of our previous podcasts in the series we we sort of came to a bit of a conclusion didn't we that lots of these films were our favorite because they evoked a feeling of nostalgia and yeah. and i'd say this one very much in that yeah. in that category as well but interestingly between the time of recording some of those and this podcast i actually read quite an interesting section of the book Happy by Darren Brown, which uh -huh. is yeah. um, it's a book about you know mental health and being happy, and there's a big section about death in it as well. Mm. And and he had an interesting take on on what we sometimes see as nostalgia, but in fact he says it's more it's more melancholy than nostalgia. And really, when when you're thinking about nostalgia in terms of things like films and books and things like that because this is in a section about death, he's saying what a lot of these are, and I think it's particularly relate, relates to Francis Hart, is your nostalgia as a 40-something watching a film about being 27 is really a melancholy for those experiences that you had in your 20s with the understanding that that time is gone, you are older than that, you are never going to do that again, and you're closer to your point of death essentially. Mm. And so, and I think that kind of relates to the other films, which we were thinking of as nostalgic films, mm. not nostalgia as much as melancholy, really. And it's melancholy for the passing of time. And maybe that's a lot of these films. That's why they're our favourites, because we feel this melancholy about them. Like, I've, like Lost in Translation is a melancholy for that sort of lost lostness in a foreign country that I will never have again because I, I don't think because I will never I will never be the equivalent of um, Scarlett Johansson's character for example who is the one I'm much more identified with when I first saw it because yeah, I will so never be now. no no I might be I maybe maybe Bill Murray you know possibly a bit mm. more but it's Scarlett Johansson I identified when I first saw it yeah and I will, sure and so then, I'll never be that young and lost again and and it's sort of being 27 and lost in this film, yeah, isn't it, as well? Yeah. And Dead Poet Society particularly, like, you know, yeah. that sort of being on the brink of adulthood and your potential is huge and it could go anywhere and it's a melancholy for never having that potential again, I think. Mm. And I don't know, does that relate to some of the other films? It in does this make as well? sense. I mean, when I talk about the nostalgia of like, Local Hero, which is definitely one of my favourites, it's it's entwined with my life when I watched it as well. So part of watching it and loving it is um being a young teenager and just and, and and finding something beautiful and lovely and my fat you know it just brings back all the kind of life that i had then um also a melancholy for your earlier watchings of the film not for the actual content of the film <laughs> in part yeah. it's yeah. kind of entwined i guess um yeah some of those uh it, it, it just it feels like that, that film fits into my my early family kind of thing right as well um so yeah that definitely feels a sort of sadness because i feel i'm reminded of being 
whatever, 13 or 14 and watching that. So that's an interesting take on your uh, collection of favourite films, isn't it? If some of them can be favourites purely from the occasions on which you watched them in the past. I think that's definitely true. Yeah, but sure. it, it kind of skews all of your, all of our Isn't potential it? working out of what your favourite films are about, doesn't it? So there can be no yeah. sense of what, some sort of objectivity yeah. through everybody is, is, is never going to work. Although I, d I don't think it completely negates our attempts to find a thread through our favourite films, does it? Because I, don't, I think your, how Local Hero works for you in having a melancholy for your previous viewings of it. I don't think that's, that's certainly not true for me no. in all these films. I don't think that's true for you in all your favourite films here no, either. But is it's it? a different type of um, melancholy as well. Yes. Because I was never a, I don't know, a businessman who went to a small Scottish village or yeah. anything like that. Although even the content of Local Hero, wouldn't you say, is a sort of longing for that kind of local community feeling yeah. somehow that probably we will never have and never even could have had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's a longing with it. Yeah, like you say, yeah. we've never had it. It's, it's, uh, yeah. But then perhaps nostalgia often is a longing for something that didn't actually exist yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Um, I mean, after all, that's often what we accuse people who are, you know, yeah. very patriotic for their country, aren't you, for nostalgia for a country sure. that never existed. Yeah, 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 yeah the MAGA thing. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Does it, I'm just trying to think if that works for all the other films. Certainly some films we felt um, that there's just a great beauty in them. But um, We sort of set them apart slightly, didn't we? Under the Skin in 2001, set them apart as, as there was more sort of like... Both your films. Yes. And so just, to, yeah, just, I, yeah. Also, do we have a separation of... Um, He's talking about art, but all these films we're counting as favourites. But where is there, is there a way of defining a favourite as well? So we've been saying we've we've just taken for granted that they're favourite. But how can we? Why are these films our favourites? Why is that? If it's not related to, is it related to their artistic ability, or is it more like you said? Is it just this hankering, this 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 nostalgia or melancholy or? Well, I, I, for me, for my, my choice of films, I feel that the, the, the ones that I love and have called my favourites because of their artiness, 2001 Under the Skin, they're a, it's a colder kind of favourite than, than the other ones. The, so all of my other ones, like uh, Dead Bowers Society, Lost in Translation, Turn the Sunshine, Spotless Mind, and mm. Point Break, I think. Mm. Um, particularly the first three there, uh, and I'd include some of yours as well, like the um, the Before Trilogy as well. They are very much about this kind of melancholy for a, a life that's already passed and you're not going to have again, mm. I think. And and I, I know I really I like really like Darren Brown's interpretation of that as being uh, your sort of thinking about death, really. You're thinking, you know, it's a thinking about it's a mortality consideration in some ways because your I, life is finite and you can't have these things again. Yeah. Okay, I need to absorb that. But part of me is thinking, it seems unlikely that I've got the wisdom to appreciate a film a lot because it reminds me of my own, my own mortality. I feel that favourite films are more likely to be films that um, take my mind off my immortality well no but i think the point the point being that you're feeling this melancholy because subconsciously you wouldn't feel melancholy about the these situations like of being 27 or whatever if it wasn't for the fact that you know they're never going to happen again if you were immortal then inevitably something like this would happen again and so therefore Possibly you wouldn't not. i don't know sorry just thinking if you kind of develop maybe you'd never have that Okay. Okay. True, okay, but sorry, yeah. True, but that's point. that's sort of that's sort of slightly off the point because the whole point of like the whole reason for his discussion about death really is that immortality is a nightmare because the fact that we die is the only reason why life has any meaning. Mm -hmm. And I guess how that connects to what we're talking about here with the films is that um, our melancholy for this time gone by that we've already had is because we've got less less and less time left and we are but these experiences are past and gone and and you know are in the past and so are not not to be repeated okay yeah. i'm just trying to think of a counterfactual a counter a counter argument like a, a film that 
is a, a favourite and delightful film or something that gives you a sense of that but isn't actually about past experience. I can't yeah. anyhow. No, no, I mean, and that may be, that may be true. I'm, I'm just thinking of this collection that we've collected here and I see that the majority of the films that I'm talking about have that kind of feeling to them, I think. I mean, something yeah. like Boyhood is certainly, I am, um, especially now looking at that and just, I'm, I'm seeing a, a child's life passing and it makes me think of my own children's childhood passing and, yeah. and, and escaping away from me. And Yeah, I mean, that's not a melancholy even for your own life, is it? It's a melancholy for your children's life, I guess, as well, though. Well, my, yeah. I think it is my own. I think it's my own... Um, relationship with them as as you know because it yeah. changes once they're not children so yeah. that's one section of my life gone <laughs> as patricia Arquette. yeah <laughs> oh just leave me it's just it's just funerals the next thing yes oh that's it anyway it's the next thing okay so anything else you want to say about francis har anyway i think that sort of just about covers it as far as art goes doesn't it so, oh, did we solve yep. the problem in the end? Yep. So that's. Then we did. Yeah. So we've solved that. And... I do want to say because I know that there's an argument. Why is it that I feel there's some importance to say that? I guess this is going back to that thing of saying, of counteracting that sense that everything is potentially the same. Everything could be art. Every piece of yeah. Every piece of film or TV or books or whatever. But somehow yeah. I feel, and maybe this says more about me, and maybe it's I'm an undercover reactionary. But I want to say that some things have some more value than other things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think that's? I mean, I do you have any sympathy for people that would just say, "Stupid question. It's art. Everything can be." Everything from or nothing, yeah. perhaps. Uh, I don't really because I think valuing valuing things in life is what life is about. Really, I mean, for on, on all levels. Like, differentiating. Differentiate, yeah. I mean, whether you like one type of food more than another type of food is, is important to you about whether you want to eat that or not. And then, so but deciding what, but, but whether a film... They might say, well, that goes into the, your favourite categories. You have a favourite ice cream, you have a favourite film. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's a relationship with you and that. But to have some other thing, because it's way... It's like art is almost saying there's some... Um, objective way of saying that this thing has more value this thing hasn't value so this thing has more value to society in general mm. you'd say i'm not uh, even sure that i say actually i'm not even sure if that's a good definition of of saying what, what a proposal of what art is because i think some things could be highly artistic and of very little value yeah i i I don't think we should go into too much further okay. here. This is what the podcast is about. But I, I think, yeah, I, yes, I am saying I think Fine. there is value in saying That's things it. are art or not. There is such a thing as art. Some things don't count. We don't completely know what they are. No, that <laughs> doesn't mean we're wrong. Yeah. Anyway, I've, uh, I've very much enjoyed doing this, uh, this series of films. And maybe we will have another one. Of a second it. lot of favourite films, yeah. No, no, it won't no. be absolutely our favourites then, will they? Our second favourite. Second favourite films, yes. Might be some new ones to come along. Anyway, anyway if if, um, if you've enjoyed these podcasts, um, do let us know. You can email us at inbedwith at ethancrane.com. You won't find, us, won't find us on any other platforms. No, just think. on email. Just That's it. Email. Yeah. Or you can leave a comment on um, on the uh, website for this podcast. You go to ethancrane.com and just follow the links to the podcast. But otherwise, we shall hopefully see you for another series of series of podcasts. At some indis indefined point in the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.